Hello everyone and welcome to the fifth episode of Mean the Impact podcast by Adverse. I am Priya, Natasha's co-host on the podcast. For our first-time listeners, on this podcast, Natasha and I interview people working in the social impact sector, talk about different trends in this sector, critical issues faced by the society, main challenges that we are facing today, and draw important learnings from these experts for all our listeners. And this podcast is brought to you by Artemis Impact. Artemis is a digital platform that helps you track volunteering hours for yourself, for your organization's volunteer, or for your company's employees. Today, we have a very special guest and someone you're all familiar with, Natasha. Hello! <laughs> I usually say hello, Sumanya, but apparently today <laughs> you can still say. Okay, hello, Sumanya. <laughs> so, how does it feel to be on the other side of the table today? Uh, well, I'm still at the same side on the table today <laughs> with you. So, technically, yes. yes but <laughs> but okay. so, let me rephrase my question. So, how does it feel like to be the one answering the question today? Uh, not asking the asking, question. Asking the question, I see. Um, it's, it's very exciting. I mean, I'm very excited because I've been talking about this. Maybe I can share some of the, the stories. Um, not only me as a volunteer, not only me as an uh, organizer for volunteering activities, but I want to share with you guys uh, also my works in Artemis Impact that have been talking to companies, talking to um, NGOs, small communities, so uh, social communities or student-led organizations that I think that would be hopefully, hopefully it will be useful for you guys. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's very, very exciting. So, so far you guys know Tasha as the host of this podcast, but <laughs> yes. let me give you a little bit more introduction about her, your Please. background. <laughs> Say something nice about me. <laughs> uh, I'll think about that. <laughs> so Tasha has been a volunteer since she was a teenager. And when she was in a university, she actually co-founded another organization. So the organization is called Dream It Project and she co-founded it with her university friends, right? Yes. Yeah. And she mainly works in the sector of child, youth and community development with a special focus on education. Right now, she works with Artemis Impact and she actually acts as a liaison between Artemis and the NGOs that we partner with, social communities we partner with, the companies that we are partnering with. And she actually handles relationships with more than 150 organizations that are based in Indonesia. Every day, guys. Every day. (laughs) Just pray for it. (laughs) Just telling you. (laughs) All right. So today, what I would like to discuss with you, Tasha, is I feel like you have a very interesting vantage point. Yeah. You've been a volunteer. You have been co-founder of a community. And now you're working as this connection between NGOs, Artemis, tech startup, and so many corporates. So I think when we talk about the social impact sector, you have seen it from almost every possible viewpoint. So I think you have some really interesting ideas and some really interesting sort of views about the problems that we are facing okay. today. So today with Tasha, we will be discussing the main challenges faced by the players in the social impact sector. And hopefully we'll be getting the insider view from all of them. <laughs> She's like, it's like you've lived so many lives in one <laughs> life, right? Like, I'm not an expert though, guys. So, <laughs> not an expert. Um, I'm just very lucky that I have so many chances, opportunities to work with um, different sectors and with different point of view. And then, um, so don't trust me. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. I think you're just being modest right now. I mean, you have been working in this sector for almost a decade now. Almost, yeah. So that, I don't know, for me, the qualifying <laughs> as a little bit of an expert. Like, if you've been working in a field for 10 years, then you do have a certain expertise about it. And yes, she's trying to be modest right now, guys, but we can I'm a modest person, okay? <laughs> I am. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes for the period of this podcast. <laughs> Alright, so, before we get into the discussion, Dasha, I would like to know from you that more about your volunteering experience since when have you been volunteering like when was the first time you volunteered um 
I think I've been volunteering for all my life. Um, this is one of the things that I can I want to kind of like share with you guys too um, about how I see volunteering itself. Um, people nowadays, how I see it, maybe not everybody, but like some people uh, nowadays think that um, volunteering is when you're sparing some two to three hours maybe once a week and then joining in some uh, organizations that are already running and then um, or creating your own activities going out uh, that you give actually giving some time to do it and actually giving some time to think about it right but for myself I, I think volunteering is not only that but actually volunteering is what actually going on in uh, daily basis right when you're doing good deeds for other people without you asking something in return especially money is also volunteering so when you're doing good for others um, this is already something that uh, you can call as volunteering. So, uh, like, hopefully, I feel like um, if, if people can have that kind of um, perception of volunteering, um, that can help people not just like, I'm doing good when I'm... Alright, that brings us to the end of this episode. And in the next episode, we will continue our conversation with Natasha and we would be discussing a lot more about how we can connect volunteers, NGOs, companies and the government in a way that we as a society as a whole can be way more impactful and can solve the current issues that the entire world is striving towards. On the Saturday, but actually I'm doing something every single day. I'm trying to see out there that what can I help mm -hmm. with in every time I can with everything that I have uh, abilities with, like my skills and backgrounds. Or even just like small actions, like you see someone struggling without them asking you for help, you can see that, oh, this is what I can help them with, something like that. Okay. So, but for what I call as volunteering activities, um, what people call volunteering, um, I think the first time I tried is actually when I was in the United States. It was back in 2012, mm -hmm. and it was actually mandatory, <laughs> so I had to do it. <laughs> it was mandatory, people told me to do it, or unless I'm losing my uh, scholarship. <laughs> so I did that, but um, it was 2012, we were at this homeless shelter in Nashville, in Tennessee, and we had to kind of help with uh, cooking and serving food for homeless people. Yes, so that was the first. Okay, I So you, you said a few interesting things, and I would like to sort of elaborate on those few points from your side. So, I, I mean, I agree to you to the point that you said that it, volunteering does not necessarily mean you setting up a side time and going out to do something. It yes. can be a simple kind action and say, I don't know, helping a blind person cross the road. So, yes, exactly. so. So it's still a good act that is helping people and it could be just like on your way you're at the MIT, you see plastic there, you pick that up. Yeah, yes. if you didn't drop it, you pick that up, you put it in the dustbin. It, it's still a small kind action that is kind of going to help the world in really, yes. a big way. Because right? if you think that volunteering is when you're putting some time aside for doing that, uh, it makes you feel like, oh, I'm doing the good deeds later. Well, actually, you have to do the good this every single time you're living. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I think it's like, yeah, you're right. I think you then, uh, because you have to take out this time, you keep on postponing it. Say, yes, exactly. Oh, you know I'm not like 30 right now. Maybe when I'm in my 30s, I will be more congested. <laughs> or when I'm old. <laughs> when I'm old, when I'm retired, so you yeah. keep on putting it out. But, yeah, I think the interesting thing here is that I'm sure so many people out there are already doing it, but they are not giving themselves maybe enough credit. Yes. Or the society is not giving them enough credit to no realize that, that, yes. Yes, that, okay, one small kind action towards people, towards animals, towards anything in the planet that you know need help is sort of an act of volunteering. Right? True. That's, that's, I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it because this way we can just make more people realize that yes, they are doing yes. good and maybe they can just keep on So you don't have to think like, I'm a, I'm a professional that has to work like 12 hours a day 
and my weekend is also have to have a business trip somewhere else and I don't have enough time to do something good but actually you can always find something in between right so um, the idea is always see what's out there all the opportunities out there to not just like delaying and delaying again what's doing good things yeah yeah I, yeah I think that's a really interesting way of uh, looking at what you're doing now the second one that you mentioned was that you had to volunteer because it was mandatory <laughs> right so that's interesting right so it's so what was it after that experience because once you came back from uh, the US you did not have to volunteer there was no one forcing you to volunteer yeah. but you continued to do it so what was it about that experience that made you want to continue uh, this as sort of like your everyday thing your lifestyle i think i think it's it's the feeling you know when when you're doing something good for other people and you know how uh, how impactful it is uh, to other people of course that makes you feel so good about yourself. You would be like, oh, I'm a good person. I'm such a good person, right? <laughs> you will feel that. I mean, that's kind of, <laughs> but I think it's fine because you, uh, that's kind of drives you to do something more for other people instead of just thinking about yourself. I mean, it's, it's also nice to think about yourself, how you can improve um but also how you can use that inside of you, whatever you have, to uh, kind of give the benefits for others, mm -hmm. right? But yeah, I think like you said, it's, it, you know, um, it's not like, it's not a completely selfless act because in the yeah. end of the day, you are feeling good about yourself. <laughs> and that's always a good feeling, right? <laughs> it's always a good feeling. You can sleep really well. <laughs> <laughs> you don't probably need to take medicines to be Yeah, you don't well. have to like work out so much at night to just like fall asleep <laughs> or cry yourself to sleep. <laughs> you feel good about yourself. And and beside of that, there's a lot of benefits that you can gain from yeah. volunteering. Like, um, you get more knowledge uh, like out there you see actually what's going on in the uh, society instead of just looking at it in like social medias or like news tvs i mean maybe some of it like true but it doesn't really capture every single thing right if you're like uh, going out there and seeing yourself you see what you can help and then beside that you get a network of course and it's, it's very useful guys i mean also talked with someone the other day um she was mentioning about how volunteering is very powerful not only just to kind of like gaining the network gaining the experience gaining the knowledge but it actually helps you to kind of find out what am i best doing and like was my skills and actually what am I want to do in my life mm -hmm. so for those people that's still struggling to find out what is my dreams or what I want what I want to do uh, for my life for the rest of my life uh, maybe you can start volunteering <laughs> I mean if you're trying that out on like professionals I mean you have commitment you have to sign for contract and stuff right mm -hmm. for volunteering um, it's, uh, it's way more like very flexible and very, how do you say it? It's, it's very like personal relationships that nobody actually forcing you to do it, right? You do it because you want it. So if you feel like, oh, maybe this is not the right place for me or maybe this is not the right thing for me, you can also like tell them, hey, uh, can you help me with finding another things that I'm good at or mm -hmm. finding another things that I would love to do, okay. right? Okay. So, so that brings me to my next question. So like you mentioned, so first was that you got into this habit of volunteering because it was compulsory for you, you had to do it. Yes. And on the other hand, you're also saying that like, you know, not on the other hand, like you're also saying that it's really good to find out what you're good at, what you might want to take forward as your profession. With that, with those two things, do you think it's advisable to I don't know, have it in the system maybe to start making kids one and two at a younger age or maybe even not very young at teenage, say. So oh. so have it in the system that people have to volunteer, uh, say, from the teenage so that helps them for both the things. If they like it, if they enjoy that feeling like you, they yeah. might continue volunteering their entire lives and that's always a good thing, right? Yes. For the society, for themselves. And at the same time, at that teenage, if they're volunteering, 
you know, by the time they have to go to the university and take a pick of what they want to do with their lives, they would already have some sort of, you know, understanding about what they are good at, what their skills are. Ah, I see, I see. I think, I think that's very, I like that idea. I mean, I think instead of teenage, mm -hmm. uh, like when you're already like 13, 14, 15, why don't we start earlier, right? Uh, mm -hmm. When you were like still very young, five years old, six years old, you go with your parents or you go with your big family going out somewhere helping whatever you can do. Maybe it's just like simple thing where you can like help picking up trash. It's very simple. Everybody can do that, right? It's just like even though you're such a really uh, very, very young, your parents can still tell you, oh, it's just how you can do it, right? It's very simple. I think that's, that's also very useful, like you say. Um, because the way I see our education system right now, especially in Indonesia, um, you have to learn every single thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. But um, those every single things is very um, science, social studies, and stuff like that, that uh, you only learn that inside of the classes. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like disconnect you with the communities mm -hmm. or with the society that's actually surround you. So like the practical implications yes, exactly. of what you're studying is so, not clear. Yes, yeah, so when when you finish your university studies, when you graduated, you kind of like don't know how can I like use all of this knowledge that I gained from my classes to for the society. Because you've been, the school kind of like disconnect you mm -hmm. with all the communities around me. So um, when you're doing the volunteering, since young age, you can always connect easily with the communities, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that way, uh, you don't feel like everything that I have to learn in the classes is just like mandatory because I just have to sit there, get a good grades, graduated, get that piece of paper, a certificate or something. But it's because what I'm le learning in the classes, actually, I can use it. Mm, okay. Can you can you give like for the benefit of our listeners? Can you give some examples from your own life that? where you felt that, you know, either volunteering helped you sort of understand your own self better, uh, that what your skill sets are, like can you give an example from your own life? Mm, that's very interesting because um, I can think of one because all of it actually bring into what am I, like who am I right now and what I want to do right now, right? Okay. Um, In what sense? Maybe I can give example. So when I was in, I'm a biological engineering major. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not related well, at all. <laughs> I should have said that in the introduction. <laughs> Please not. Uh, tomatoes is my babies. Okay. So um, biological. I was I was in biological engineering major. Yeah. Um, but right now I'm working for a tech startup, <laughs> social tech startup. Uh, so it's not related at all, but um, thanks to volunteering, actually, uh, on my, I think it was my second year of university, um, I joined this uh, program called KKN. So in, in universities in Indonesia, uh, we call it Kulia Kerjanyata. Basically, it's a community development programs uh, run by the students in the uh, university. And it's like usually it's once a year and you go out in like villages for like a month, two months and you help whatever there, you do the community development there, right? So I did that, I joined that um, and that's the time I realized oh, how horrible our education system is. <laughs> I mean, in the university, I don't like it at all. And then I go to the villages and I see like, oh my God, there's so many things that are happening out there and it is so bad and then I realized I like that mm -hmm. I like that issue so mm -hmm. we've been talking me and my friends in the same way we've been talking about it so that's what building into what I want to do right now which is I love doing um, any social works or well I have a dream to creating my own NGOs for the uh, education. So, so, so yes. that's what you understand that you want to be yes. in the social impact world. Yes. And what's your interest actually, or, right? Yeah, yeah. What's, so, what's your interest and yes. what, what kind of role that you can play? Yeah. Yeah. 
So have you always just volunteered for education-related NGOs or have you been volunteering for some other kind of NGOs? No, actually in the beginning I started with uh, every single thing that I could find. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like um, in the beginning I tried with environment too, uh, mm -hmm. just some planting and just some like picking up trust and stuff, cleaning for the national park. And then um, like what I did in the beginning is like, Helping, giving food and cooking, right. surfing for um, shelters and homeless shelters, and oh. then the others like I help with the disabled care also. Um, so yes, yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, different genres that I tried. Yeah, yeah. But somehow I found out that oh, this one is this this one is actually what sparks my interest. Yeah, right? yeah. I think what you're saying is really interesting because if I look back at my life, I mean. I, I did my university in India, right? So I know that when I was doing my undergraduation, even that was just very theoretical. You know, and at the, so at the, at the undergrad level, we were not supposed to do any internship or anything. So it was very theoretical. You go, you study about the psychologists, you study about their theories, and you write a paper, and that's how you get scored. Exactly. And, uh, but then I was in the second year of my college when I was, we had like I think two months holiday and I wanted to do something. I didn't want to just like stay at home. So I took up a volunteering position at a school for kids with autism. Oh. So I volunteered there for two weeks. They were having a summer camp with those kids and I volunteered there. And, and it's not easy at all. It's not <laughs> easy at all. Yeah. And it's not easy at all. But the thing was that it uh, helped me one to kind of actually apply what I was studying in university ah. in the school, right? When I was working with those kids with autism, I could kind of actually see that, okay, this was a theory we read, how am I going to apply this in this current situation right now when I'm dealing with this kid? So it was like a really good experience for me to kind of practically apply that. And next year when I had to go back to the university, I I was actually being able to understand the theory much more also mm -hmm. because I already had practical experience about it. So yeah, so I think... Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel that too because when we went out for the that one month for Kapayan, I feel like this past year that I've been learning, what did I do? What did I learn? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right? Like, I mean, I think it's the same feeling you get when you uh, enter any career also. But when you volunteering, it's it's somehow a different feeling, right? It's somehow like, uh, because you're dealing with real world problems. Because even when yes. you choose a career, sometimes you can work in your own bubble. Because you don't see what's happening outside the world. You could be working in a bank or something, but you, you see what's happening in there. In the lab, right? Yeah, in the lab, right? But you don't see what's happening outside in the world. And when you're actually volunteering, but any cause, be it like, you know, cleaning up the beach, cleaning up streets, working with homeless people, you go out and you see the real kind of yes. reality of the world. So and I think that's also one of the things that you find your circle too. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's about uh, people been saying that it's so hard to find opportunities that actually fit my interest. Hmm. And so uh, I've been telling people when you're like doing activities, uh, this is what I've also been doing, right? Um, when you're doing activities, it's not only about the experience or mm. about the knowledge, but it's also about the network, right? So when you're doing stuff and you're doing volunteering, it's not just like you're doing whatever they told you to do, but you also network with other people. That yeah. way you get the entry point of the social communities, right? Mm. And then after that, there's a lot of opportunities that open up to you yeah. and you can find out whatever you want from that. Yeah, yeah. No, I guess, yeah, I guess because it's like, you go out, you meet people, yeah. you're working with people. I think you learn a lot on how to work with people also, right? And you won't feel lonely. <laughs> <laughs> you won't feel lonely, I guess. And like, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because at the same age when you're, say, like, I don't know, 17 or 18, you know, you've always kind of worked. You have probably, your friends are probably your friends for the last 14 years because yeah. you met them when you started school. And then, you know, your social circle gets very homogeneous. Because you've grown up in the same environment, exactly. you've gone to the same school. If you've gone to the same school, most likely you kind of belong to the same economic strata. So it's a very homogeneous sort of like social circle. But when you actually go out and volunteer, you will have your co-volunteers will be from yeah. the very different parts of the society. Very different backgrounds. Yeah. So that also gives you this really nice sort of experience of working with people from different kinds of people, right? Yeah. 
yes. and uh, I think that's the diversity is something also that we probably need more in our society to be able to be more accepting of everything yes. that's happening in the world. Um, you can give like different opinion, different point of views because yeah. you come from different background, you come from different uh, age and stuff, and so um, you bring those fresh ideas hmm. for that organization. Let's say yeah. so. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's very dynamic. I think mm -hmm. volunteering and it's like very really 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 great place for you to learn. Yeah, a lot. I, I, I definitely. Alright, so that brings me actually to kind of uh, my next question. So we've talked a lot about the benefits of volunteer, right? But I think there are many people out there who probably want to get into volunteering but they don't know how to. So can yeah. you very briefly tell us that if someone is looking for volunteer oh, okay. work, how can they get started? What are the things they need to remember? The journey, right? Yeah, the overall journey, how does the process work? Okay. So just like a briefly, if you can talk about that, so people who actually are actually feeling motivated by listening to all these benefits <laughs> of volunteering that we talked about can actually do something, you know? Yes. Um. So basically, um, volunteer journey. So you're starting with finding uh, activities, opportunities of volunteer activities that be um, fit with your interests first. And then fit your uh, availability, of course, and then fit your props. Like, is it close to your house? Is it close to your workplace? Or is it close to wherever you stay for university? Usually that. Um, and there's a lot of channels out there that where you can find those opportunities. I think uh, one of the biggest ones that you can use is our, uh, social media, of course, especially uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, on Instagram itself, there's a couple, um, like, how do you call it? Instagram accounts called volunteer ID, Sarjana volunteer and stuff like that that actually posting a lot of volunteering opportunities. Mm -hmm. And there's also another platform like Indorelawan that can help you to find out. So um, the first thing that you have to find out basically is what is your interest, mm -hmm. right? Uh, from there, you can see like when you can do it, like your availability and then whether you willing to travel or not for that. Mm -hmm. And then find the opportunities on those platforms and usually after that there will be like if they're open recruitment for it um sometimes the activities can be different uh it can be like long term where you have to commit for uh the next year or the next six months the next three months uh once a week or even like once in two weeks and then there's uh, another type of activities that only like one day mm -hmm. You can easily find that on the opportunities, basically, because uh, the organizer usually put that. Um, they will say how long that you're gonna need to commit, and then uh, what type of um, contribution that you have to give. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it needs some fees. Okay. Yeah, sometimes it's not, but most of it, I think it's not. I, I barely like find um, activities that are actually asking you to give to mm -hmm. pay, right? Yeah, that's that's okay. So that's an interesting point that you make again. So what what do you think about NGOs or communities that require volunteers to pay a certain fee? Why do you think that happens? And do you because I know from like my experience, I know that okay, since like I've been talking to some volunteers, um, people are sort of suspicious about yeah asking you to pay a fee for volunteer work because you know they are already giving in their time and if they have to give in their fee like you know why why and how does that work so yes so in the beginning when i was my, a volunteer myself and starting my organize organizations my movements um i thought that i'm not gonna ask people to pay something mm -hmm. because it's too much for them, right? Yeah. I already asked them to uh, give their time, contribute their effort to contribute whatever skills they have, mm -hmm. and then even it's and it's not just on the day, but we have like briefing, training, we right. have other like evaluation, reflection, and stuff like that. So much that they have to contribute. So why would I ask them again for fee in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I talked to some NGOs and I think they have a couple of reasons that are very, like, well, it makes sense why they're asking that. Uh, one thing is because, um, especially like small communities, they're just starting, it's so hard to get funding. 
mm-hmm. right? It's so hard to kind of like show what actually they're doing and what kind of the impact they're making. So it's really hard to ask others like CSR or um, like individual donors to actually give the money. Mm-hmm. So they're asking for some contribution. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing is, well, basically that's a kind of like donation program, okay. right? Okay. Uh, donation for the programs itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing, um, sometimes the training itself, they invite um, like professionals to do it. Okay. Right? If it's for teaching, they invite like uh, also psychologists maybe. Uh, some people that's experts in how to deal, match the class and stuff like that, and that needs money. Mm. So um, the training itself, you have to pay for it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So okay. I think it depends on uh, why you're asking for the money, mm. and you as a volunteer, it's really good um, for you to ask first. Please do not demotivate yourself when you yes. see the fee. Yeah. But ask them why do I have to pay for this? What's what's the benefits, right? Yes, and exactly. And from the organizer side, this give more of that transparency. Yeah, yeah. transparency from the beginning. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean like I didn't know this, but I mean yeah, it makes sense, right? Of course if you have to go through certain specific training then exactly. they have to invite experts to train you, or even if they have to give them their own time to train you, then it somehow makes sense that they're asking you for like a small yes. fee. So, but this is also dependent on how legible that community or NGO is. Exactly. Right? Yes. So, do you have any checkpoints when you try to volunteer with some new community or mm-hmm. NGO? Do you have any checkpoints to see if they are, you know, actually doing the work they're talking about, if they're legible or not? Yes, uh, usually when I see an organization, uh, what I do is the uh, I check the track record. Mm-hmm. I always see, uh, try to find whatever information out there, like the social medias, always check their website. Uh, the information that I need to know is one, whether it's safe or not, because it can be like this, this well, there's some that's uh, the backup for that organization is actually like a political party. Mm-hmm. And so there's other intention that we don't want to uh, relate with, right? So that, that can be uh, dangerous or something. Uh, so one thing that I try to find out is uh, whether it's safe or not, whether it's fake or not. Yeah. And then the other thing, uh, what kind of activities they do mm-hmm. and why they're doing it. So the why itself is always the biggest question for me. If I couldn't find out why they're doing it and why is it important for them to do that and why is it important for me to contribute, um, and I couldn't find that, that's definitely like a big turn off for me. Okay. Yeah. How do you find that information? Oh, um, one thing, if you can find someone that already uh, doing it, like your friends or maybe your family, uh, in that organizations, that will be a really nice for you to learn from. Mm-hmm. But if you couldn't find anybody, right, um, always look into their social media. Okay. Um, not just see the uh, pictures because pictures can mean a lot of things. <laughs> so it's not yeah. really helpful yeah, I mean, sometimes. Just, yeah, like because yeah. social media is under their control, right? Exactly, exactly. I always check the comments. <laughs> That's what I did. Like, I always go through the comments because the comments usually, like, some people they maybe even try uh, volunteering with them and they're like complaining something. Or there's like some others that they actually their friends that have been like there to see how the organization grows and it can, they can like give like testimony and stuff. So, testimony from people is uh, really, really Wait, helpful. So, more yeah. like word of mouth yes exactly the way for kind of writing out of it it's not just if it's legible but if it's a good organization to volunteer exactly exactly because um now i see there's a lot of organizations that are trying to do stuff i mean it's good because there's meaning there's more people that want to like give back the community contribute for the society but some of them is just like um they're doing it for the sake of doing it. Mm. Just that's it. They're not actually think about um, how is it going to impact the society, mm. right? And they've been doing it for ten years, but there's no impact assessment at all. 
so they don't know how they like what are the things they improve because of the programs that they're mm-hmm. doing yeah that's uh, i mean uh, that again kind of brings me back to the podcast we recorded with Simon where like we try to understand yeah. like you know how companies and NGOs can actually sort of measure the impact uh, they're creating so i think that's really important for all NGOs right big or small because yes uh, it's it's going to be helpful for them and also for the people if they can actually not just measure but show the impact that they have been able to create so far in the community yes yeah yeah so if you guys haven't listened to that podcast you should go back and <laughs> listen to that it's the third episode it was really interesting podcast It was. Mm-hmm. All of the podcasts is interesting, actually. <laughs> so we just listened to them all. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay so, I mean, you also said that uh, when you go through some social media posts, you see that people have complained about it, and you have been volunteering for such a long time. So, if I ask you to sort of look at the way social impact world works, and you as a volunteer, what were the things that frustrated you the most? What were the things? It could be from the organizer's side, it could be whatever is happening in the world that mm-hmm. frustrated you the most and that made you feel like, you know what, that you as a volunteer could have been more impactful, could have been more effective if these things like did not exist or existed. Like, uh-huh. you know, like yes. what do you think is missing in this ecosystem which can help our volunteers be more impactful? Yeah, I think one thing is time. You guys, we're so... I think we're, uh, if I if we can just like not sleeping <laughs> and do a lot of things in 24/7, that would be great. Um, that's what I think. I think we're lacking of like, yeah, for the time, especially uh, because we have to work also, and there's another priorities and stuff like that. That brings to another thing where a lot of people um, not very committed with the activities they want to go into. Because I know when I was in university, um, there's a couple of other volunteers that were working with me. They joined in uh, six others volunteer activities. Hmm. Yes. And then six, um, so six others. So seven. Six, seven. Yeah. Yes, seven. Seven in total. Yeah. Seven in total. <laughs> and, and, and at the same time, at the exactly the same time, ah, seven. Okay. But um, I mean, it's good. You're doing a lot of things then, right? But uh, that's also because we're lacking of time, and then they're just like applying to those seven activities. They're not really committed to like yeah. actually giving 100% for it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's very frustrating because it's not just um, Uh, a big disadvantage for the organizer because you're not very com- uh, not building the commitment for them, mm-hmm. but uh, it's also a disadvantage for the other um, volunteers because if you're not coming on the day, the meaning the other volunteers have to do more work right. to replace yeah. you, yeah. right? Yeah. And then the other thing is uh, what's frustrating is um, how to build the commitment is actually by bringing the sense of belonging, right, for the organization, for the programs, for the whoever uh, the beneficiaries is. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's kind of hard to bring that into your programs and organizations um, because when you recruit the volunteers, usually it's, it's after you already create all the content, create all the structure, create all every single things, mm-hmm. and then you say, oh, we need volunteers to do this part. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you recruit them. So those volunteers uh, don't really know the journey when you're creating it and don't really understand what's actually uh, going on in that specific area or in for that specific beneficiaries. Let's say like um, sometimes I do like volunteering for teaching and stuff. And because they recruited me after uh, they know where the schools that we want to go, uh, what kind of... Um, like classes that we're going to give and mm-hmm. stuff like that uh, I actually don't know like uh, if apparently there's a problem with the the headmaster something like that apparently mm-hmm. there's some of the uh, um, the parents that actually don't like us going there or something like that okay. so we don't know what actually going on we don't we don't like really include in the journey mm-hmm. so um, we don't feel like 
the attachment to it. Right. So if I summarize the two points that you mentioned right now, one is that sometimes volunteers are over ambitious, let's say. So they <laughs> so they sort of like commit to too many things and yeah. then of course like you know they're trying to balance out like their work life or their student life with the time they want to volunteer and as a result they are not effective for anything. So that's that's like one point that you made, and uh, the second point that you made is that from the organizer side, they they don't include volunteers in everything that's happening. Yes. So the volunteers sense. only have sort of like a part of information, and then they try to work with that information, which is obviously not always effective. Right. In many cases, it won't be effective because if you don't see the full picture, if you, I mean, if I just tell you that, okay. You need to work these five steps, but you don't know what are why are why you working do you have these five yeah. steps? What are like you know who are the other people working with you in these exactly. five steps? Exactly. What are you trying to achieve? So it's not going to be effective. You're going to do it, but you're going to do it as a reward, or, or maybe yeah, it's just like because they told you. To yeah, <laughs> or maybe you will walk those five steps, but in the opposite direction. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So I know. you are really not getting to the goal. So I think okay. So. These are the two points. Yes, like to straight I think the, the main point is about a commitment, right? And yeah. that commitment uh, is because of a lot of other things, like mm. uh, those two points, sense of belongings, people not really, like, they're not very sure about their own life, so they're doing too much thing with, where actually they can't handle it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. And so you also mentioned that that sort of, I mean, I would say the word <laughs> yeah. That ineffectiveness from one volunteer affects everyone else as well, and yes. that might affect their commitment because if they feel that instead of two hours, suddenly they're expected expected to be there for four hours because another person is missing. Yeah. So that might not work that well with them. Yes. So uh, another frustrating thing I think is um because of you don't actually know why you're doing it, so oh. you're like off that um. You're not very proactive in doing it, you know. Right, right. Um, a lot of volunteers not really like asking why do I have to do this. Mm. Oh, oh, then uh, should I also do this also? Mm. Giving the ideas to the organi- right. uh, organizations, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so, but do you think is there any particular reason because of which NGOs don't share it with volunteers that why they are supposed to do something or all the information, or do you think that? They just don't think it's important for them, or they haven't realized that they should actually be doing it. But you know, oh, like why? Why do you think it's happening that NGOs don't share full information and they don't involve volunteers in the kind of complete uh, journey, journey of the NGO? I think uh, a lot of NGOs realize how important it is to actually uh, connect and like include every. Uh, of their volunteers into every single staff that they have, uh, but the problem is it's it's not easy, right? Because uh, and there's maybe they've been preparing it for like two to three months, mm. and then the, the volunteers came after that. And how, how do you explain every single things that happen in those two to three months, right? Mm. It's too much, and it's nearing the the day of you have to do the activities mm. and then there's so much work um, so they don't have the ability to actually show these people this is what we've been doing this is uh, this is the archives of every single mm. document every single assessment that we did um, this is why we think we have to do this mm. because this 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 is what happened mm. right do you also think that uh, maybe one of the reasons is because See, okay, we have to understand the reality of the world, so we know that there are many volunteers who will commit through, right? They will not follow yes. their commitment. So maybe NGOs also have a certain level of mistrust towards volunteers because they feel that if, so they feel maybe that if they share the information with these volunteers, they don't, like, they will, I don't know, they will take away that information, give it to someone else, or maybe they feel they don't want to invest that much time in training them and briefing them because they're not sure if they're going to stick around or not. So, yes. so they feel that this time investment might not bring them any return. So they sort of just like throw the volunteers out there and they say, okay, what do you do? I think it's two ways. I think you're right. You're definitely right. It's, it's always two ways of um, 
from one side as I know there's some things still lacking from the organizer side. From the volunteer side, there's still a lot of things also lacking. So um, it's very frustrating a circle where yeah. everything's yeah. always happening, happening, happening again. I mean, yeah, I guess as a result, what happens now is that even if there is a volunteer who's willing to commit, that volunteer might get demotivated because oh, they don't yeah. have enough information. So yeah, it's like a vicious circle in which you're all stuck. So. Anything else that you find that stopped you as a volunteer from being more impactful? Mm, I think that's just cover the, the biggest thing because yeah, yeah. commitment also um, is, is the biggest challenge I think in mm -hmm. volunteering. Yeah. So, so and, and that commitment you don't need just from your organizers but you also need that commitment from your fellow volunteers. So, yeah, so exactly. going back to that point of building that connection between volunteers is also really important so that they, when they're out there working, they work yes. together as a team and not in silo, right? Yes. Isolated from each other. So, yes. So, yes. Just like, so the cohesion has to happen not just of one volunteer with the NGO, but of every volunteer together with each other as a team member and exactly. with the NGO. We can right? include every single person. Yeah. 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 And to, Okay, so I think that covers my next question. Ready? So, but what were some things that you expected when you decided to volunteer, but those expectations were maybe not met when you actually kind of. So, if you can first talk about what were you expecting, and like I know the first time we volunteered was because, <laughs> but but my but despite it being mandatory. You must have gone with certain yes. expectations, yes. right? Yeah. So, what were those expectations, and were they all met, or were some mm. of them that were not met? Actually, there's, I mean, there's a lot of challenges out there in volunteering, right? Because of that is uh, because the expectations not met. Um, that's one of the reasons why we're here, Arthur. <laughs> because there's a lot yes. of challenges, right? Yeah, um, I think. Things that I feel like I'm expecting from whoever organized activities actually uh, the ability of me to see what kind of impacts gonna create it because of my contribution. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, one thing is I, I couldn't see that one thing because uh, the organizer itself not actually doing the assessment. Mm -hmm. They're not actually trying to find out what kind of impacts is going to happen. Mm. The other thing is after the events is um, we're kind of like just not there anymore. Like we kind of like all the relationship, right? Mm. They're not actually from the organizer itself. They're not actually like um, trying to keep up with the groups maybe sometimes because like we have a, a WhatsApp group or something or line group or something and then um, we're not getting posted of all the things that's uh, happening because of what we did mm. uh, from our contribution, right? Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I did stuff, but I don't really know how um, how is it going to affect it. Like, did it actually make a difference? Yes, not? exactly, exactly. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, but that's very important, right? If you can see your personalized contribution actually making impact, actually yeah. making a difference, that also motivates you to do more. Yeah. Or even come back to that organization again and say, yeah. hey, can I join again? Yeah. Like yeah. No, I guess, yeah, I guess that's really important. And like you said, that's one of the reasons Artemis was started, right? Because, <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it's because. I can understand that from the NGO's perspective also because a lot of NGO organizers are also working either as full-time volunteers Yeah, they maybe are juggling a lot of things and a lot of NGOs are also always sort of understaffed, right? Because it's it's a limited resource, yes, limited funding So you have to work on that for like, yeah. with, with just like Axel or something yeah. Just drive, Google, using Google Drive, Axel works yeah. and something else You have to put everything up in manual like, yeah. If you have like uh, even just like 50 volunteers mm. and you have like 50 beneficiaries, like 50 students or something that you have to teach because of mm. programs, it's so much work. Yeah, it's I, so I, guess, much work. I mean, that work, and you know, I'm sure a lot of them have a lot of other things to do which maybe take priority over sharing 
the impact with yes. quarantine mm-hmm. or sort of following through the communication. So I can understand that from the NGO's perspective also that why it must be difficult for them to be actually be able to share this because A, as we understand being in this sector that impact measurement is not that easy. Exactly. A lot of people don't know how to do it. And B, even if we talk about just sharing, okay, some basic results, it's just basic lack of time, basic lack of a medium through which they can do it in a more effective way. Because yes, as an NGO, maybe for me, like fundraising is way more important. I can <laughs> at least I consider, right? That it's going to be way more important for me. Exactly. Than sharing, like, you know, the results. The progress. Yeah. So I can kind of understand that from the NGO's perspective also. So I think that's why it makes sense to have something like that. So we can just <laughs> that. Very good promotion. The <laughs> cheap so right, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, yeah, it could be seen as promotion, but that's what we're trying yes, to solve. Yes, exactly. It's the problem we are trying to solve, and uh, it's it's good that you kind of mentioned that because we can see no one is really like at a point where maybe a lot of organizers want to do it, but they just keep on postponing it, thinking, okay, you know, once I'm finished with my top priority things, I'll yes, exactly. You don't know that happens in a work life also. Yeah, so many things we keep on pushing back if they're not urgent or if they're not important and, for us. Yeah, and actually, actually, you can also like have the help from the technologies nowadays because yeah. technology yeah. is always so crazy. It's awesome. Like, there's a lot of things that you can explore, mm. a lot of things that you can use, mm. and you get benefit from that. But um, the 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 interesting part of social communities of social sector is um, they fairly disconnect with technology. Mm-hmm. It's it's so it's kind of weird to kind of put social and technology together. Yeah, the social tech is kind of like not very common, right? Yeah, um, so people in social works they're not very they kind of like wait technology is no <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I guess it's like because so far it hasn't been used too much right exactly, and once yeah. you start using it they're going to get more familiar with it and be more accepting of it also i think yes all right that brings us to the end of this episode and in the next episode we will continue our conversation with natasha and we would be discussing a lot more about how we can connect volunteers ngos companies and the government in a way that we as a society as whole can be way more impactful and can solve the current issues that the entire world is striving towards